Today, we're gonna talk about death in the royal family and all the mystery that kind of surrounds those traditions. But there's a little bit of a sneaky underside that's come out where there may be a death that was accelerated in order to kind of keep up appearances. Yep, keep up the monarchy. Welcome to Plot Twist. Hey friends, this is Janelle, International Road Menace. This is Morgan, unofficial swing dancer. Stay tuned for the end of the episode because we're going to be doing some updates on the Langford Funeral Home case that we talked about in episode eight. I'm going to apologize in advance for my dog possibly making noises in the background. I really tried to wear him out. I was unsuccessful, so... um, He's chewing away at one of my husband's um, okay? drumsticks. I mean, if it keeps him quiet, that's fine. Oh, wow. He, it doesn't take him long to like, make like, a dent. It is like... It's already splintered. Yeah, Matthew gives him his old drumsticks oh, to perfect, chew up. perfect. And listen, if anyone listening who has dogs is like, that's bad for your dog. Okay, I know. There's splinters. We try to take it away when it gets splintery. But if you knew how much our dog chewed, he's a husky. So just... Just give us a little slack here. Okay, anyway. (laughs) We're really excited about our topic this week. Um, I think it was, what, two weeks ago? Oh, it's almost been three weeks, I think. It was the beginning of September. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth... Was it the 8th? Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth died over... About two weeks ago. And um, just recently had her funeral. And so everyone's been talking about the royal funeral queen's death everything like that really hot topic right now so we thought we would kind of you know hang on to that popularity but it really did bring up a lot of really interesting points and questions about how that how that whole tradition and like how they handle a death in the royal family because it is not normal it is not normal it's not normal but normal is subjective it's not it's not how the rest of the country operates yeah yeah it's just it's very interesting and i feel like this point hasn't really been talked about too much as far as like other than Queen Elizabeth, the other royals in in deaths and how that's all done. Um, yeah, I mean, really, we could talk about this all day. We focused on one particular royal and their sinister end. But um, there are so many interesting facts I found out along the way about all the other royals between King George V and Queen Elizabeth II. So you can just go right down, dive into it when you're done with this. I would encourage it. Yeah, it is so fascinating. So let's start out with some of the traditions that, you know, have been in the past and still carry on to this day. Yes. One of the themes you're going to see with us talking here is that tradition and appearance and, you know, all of you doing things in an orderly way are very, very, very important to the royal family and to, I guess, you know, Britain as a whole. So after somebody in the royal family dies, the first thing, the first major thing that really happens after, you know, their death is announced is that their bodies are um, put on display. And this is a tradition called lying in state. So this tradition started probably in the 17th or 18th century at King Edward VII's funeral in 1910. That started the tradition as it's known today. He wanted to strengthen his relationship, not his relationship, he was dead at this time, obviously. (laughs) But he wanted to strengthen the relationship between uh, the British people 
and the crown by allowing them to see his body. This happens a few days before the funeral. The um, member of the royal family who's passed away is put in their coffin and then taken to uh, Westminster Hall. And there is a raised platform called a beer where, on which they are placed. There's a um, royal purple drapery over it. And then on top of that lays the coffin. They place the royal standard flag on top. And with Queen Elizabeth, I think they placed her, um, her scepter in her crown as well. Mm-hmm. The coffin is guarded 24-7 by members of the Household Calvary Cavalry, the Household Cavalry Mountain Regiment, Foot Guards, and the Sovereign's Bodyguards. So those three different regiments take turns guarding the, the body so that it's never left alone. There are candles that stand on the corners of the platform, and they kind of look... It's interesting to look at the pictures throughout the years, and it's set up pretty much the same way in each picture. There's two entrances... Something, at least today, that I found interesting is there's an entrance, like a more accessible entrance for people who aren't able, like a handicapped, disabled, accessible entrance. I don't know what it was like, you know, back in 1910. I'm sure that they weren't that. That was probably not a thing. No, no. But there is, now the lines go for miles and miles. British subjects come, they come through to see the body. And they can wait, with Queen Elizabeth, they waited overnight. They waited for hours and hours. Um, and they actually set up, like, bathrooms and um, bathrooms and water fountains along the way because people were in line for so long. This is just crazy to me. I mean, I always want to think that when I die, there'll be, like, a pretty, like, pop-in funeral happening, you know? And that's, like... Lying in state is kind of like, uh, kind of like a wake, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, pretty much. Just like uh, more details, more elegance, and just way bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's insane to me. That like, okay, so you know, I'm American. I, I this. I'm just thinking like, oh, if a president passed away, I would never think to just like, even if this was a thing that we did, I would never think. Or want to, like, go, you know, make 24 hours of this to go see their body. Yeah, I'm... For all of, what, three minutes? And yeah. And leave. Yeah. Like, it, it's just something, like, really hard for me as an American to wrap my mind around this. But this has been such a rooted tradition for, you know, the people of England for... A really long time yeah absolutely and even back in the early you know 20th century hundreds of thousands of people were showing up to see you know kings and queens bodies on display to visit and pay their last respects which is just crazy to me because i know back then they didn't have accessible entrances they didn't have porta potties or water fountains set up they were just you know would you go elements. no I wouldn't. I've heard a lot of people say in on social media that it's like a once in a lifetime event. You know, it's important in the history of the country and they wanted to be there. Um, their only chance to meet a royal, whatever. But I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to, to, have, a, to have that much, to want to be there that much. For somebody I didn't have a relationship with. Right. I guess like I can't understand from the perspective of like I mean, she's been what the longest reigning sovereign ever. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So like that in itself is like a huge historic marker. But I guess I would much rather like, you know, when the royals go out and they like do things for charity and they do meet and greets, like that seems like a little bit more interesting. Which yeah. is weird coming from me because I'm like, I'm all about the death. Right. But like, I don't know. For If they didn't have to wait in a line that big. Right. Exactly. It just doesn't seem worth, it doesn't seem worth it's the time. It's not like the top thrilled dragster or whatever. 
<laughs> what, what is it called? What is that? The top Thrill Dragster. Yeah, I got it right. Okay. It was like the world's tallest roller coaster for a while at Cedar Point. And now it's like closed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. For any of non-Ohioans out there, it's the most insane. Never been on it. Too scared. It's insane. It's amazing. It goes straight up and then straight down. Um, but it's actually been closed because there's been too many accidents. So another really important thing for a royal funeral is, of course, the attendees. So um, they're inviting people who are really important. They did not invite me, so that shows you where I stand. (laughs) Those important people include leaders and influential people from around the world. You know, we saw celebrities um, as well, so I guess they are influential. We just have this small podcast and no influence over the wide, wide world. Next time. Next yeah. world death will be there. So dress code is super important. Uh, it's also important working male members of the royal family wear military uniforms. So that would be their dress code. Um, I will point out that Harry did not because he's not. Um, a working royal member. So he was not allowed to wear the military uniform. Right. And that's why he wore like the... Yeah, there were a lot of people who were wondering about that. If you haven't already Googled it, that's why. Um, So non-working members wear the morning clothing. The dark colored uniform typically worn during the day. It just kind of looked like a suit with with what Harry was wearing. Yeah, it really just looked like a suit. Um, He had medals and shit on it. So it was like... Which I was like, you know, I don't know. That was confusing because I'm like, is that like cheating because you're not a working royal, but you're still having medals on? I don't know. But he still got know. the medals. Yeah. You know, it's it was. a Yeah, I didn't really understand that. I yeah. Guess. At that point, just wear the military. But whatever. Um, female members of the royal family wear black lace veils, which are actually just absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, black dresses and formal hats. Uh, they gotta have their hats queen victoria popularized wearing black in mourning in the 19th century after her husband died she was committed she wore black every day for the rest of her life for 40 years oh my gosh i mean black looks great on everybody so let's start there great color choice thank you queen victoria Yes. Imagine if the morning color was orange and you had to wear orange to every funeral you went to. Morning. Oh, disgusting. I would never show up. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't come. But like, not any orange, like the traffic cone, like orange, yeah. orange, like Crayola orange, not like a burnt orange, but really anything other than a burnt orange, mm-hmm. pretty much. What other shade of orange is there? Peach. I don't love peach either. But does it. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. Let's not make this I was going to dive me. into the orange, but. Royal family is expected to wear black at all times in public following a family member's death. This is taken so seriously that they carry a black outfit with them at all times when traveling just in case someone passes away. I've been rewatching this show, The Crown, because obviously not everything is accurate, but I think it's actually one of the better, like, accurate, dramatized descriptions of it. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, like in the first season when Elizabeth's father passes away, she didn't have anything black on the plane. I just remembered that looking at this, I'm like, in, I wonder if that was like a real thing. And I wonder oh. if this is why. I mean, it was depicted in the show. So, you know, um, but it was depicted that like she was gone. She was away on a tour when her dad passed away, the king. And she had to wait in the plane because they had not packed a black dress for her. She had to wait in the plane until somebody brought it on so that she could change. And it's such a small thing, but this is just saying that they carry them, an outfit with them, even when they're traveling, just in case. I wonder if there was any truth to that, and this is, like, maybe why. They were, like, unprepared. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, And I think it just goes to show how serious... They take the process of mourning mm-hmm. within the royal family and how it appears to the rest yeah. of the world. God forbid you like have to wait on a plane for thirty minutes for somebody to bring you a black dress. I mean, God forbid they see you in anything I mean, other I don't than know black. If that was even true, but, right? Um, right. Just interesting. Uh, I'm just picturing like 
the prince, like Prince Harry or um, Prince William carrying around a briefcase and they just like open it up and there's a whole black suit in there just like ready <laughs> to go. For I don't grand think that funeral. They, I don't think they carry their own suitcases around. <laughs> That's a great point. I think everyone is... I do not think they do that. I no. don't think they pack them. I don't... I just... <laughs> that is all done for them. Um... So, yeah, so they always carry around a black outfit, and maybe it's in their little, maybe it's, like, in a little briefcase, like you said, and they're like, I'm ready. I picture it. Or maybe it's under their clothes, like a Clark Kent type thing, just like. Ooh, yes, like the strip away. Yes. (laughs) Typically, the royal family observes a 12-day royal mourning period. Most public engagements are canceled, and many royal residents are closed to allow them to grieve. And everything closed. Like, literally everything closed. People had to cancel their weddings. People couldn't get heart surgeries that were scheduled. But that's only for the day of the wed- of the funeral. Because this it is It wasn't the- for the entire thing? No. Well... I was under the impression it was. No, I think it's just the day of the funeral. Because then they follow 12 days after, and everything else opened... Oh, the majority God. of things opened back up. But the day of the funeral is when everything was closed to the public. For some reason, I thought it was like all these 12 days. And I was like, oh my God, like, no, what but is not, your but, economy? I, mean, I can't remember. I was going through like a list of things. Like a, it was an article. So British people would know what and what and when things would be open. They're like, oh, can I do this? Can I do Like, which is just they wild. They should have made an app for that. <laughs> they fucking should have. I mean, that's, a, that's ridiculous. So like, can I go to the post office after the funeral? Can I get my surgery done to work right yeah so the majority of stuff resumes it's just a lot of like the royal stuff is the royal engagements and places are closed for 12 days crazy for queen elizabeth her son extended this time for one week after her death All flags, except the ones at the current ruler's residence, are flown at half-staff. So as you can see, the royals take funerals in that whole process after a royal passes very, very seriously. Um, One thing that was really... One thing that really stuck out to me was that the arrangement for Queen Elizabeth II's funeral... Um, also known as Operation London Bridge, which I want my funeral to have like a secret code name. Um, but it began in the 1960s. All of those preparations started like six years ago. So, wow. I mean, well, I guess her father passed away pretty unexpectedly. So, right. Yeah. So they want to be ready. So they are definitely ready for Charles. Oh, yeah. He's probably got an operation sewage system or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm a dick. <laughs> operation sewage system. <laughs> flush. Royal Operation Royal Flush. Oh, my gosh. No, sewage system is better. I'm going to help. So in the wake of all the talk about the royal funeral, we, we um, Morgan found something really interesting from a Twitter user. Um, it's at Stavers, S-T-A-V-V-E-R-S. Her name is another angry woman. And she posted this really interesting twitter thread about the death of king george v um and so you may have seen it It was a pretty popular tweet but we wanted to dive into that a little bit more um because this is i really think something something that most people don't know about the royal family yeah so it's really interesting and then this is just coming to light again this yeah is already circled around and it's mm-hmm. come back yeah exactly we have to get all this other you know, historical stuff out of the way before we get to the the meat of it. So, we are talking about King George the Fifth. Right? Yeah. Okay. 
That's right. There's just a lot of numbers. There's a lot numerical. of a lot of numbers uh, and letters. I just want to make sure I'm telling you guys all the right things. So George became king in 1910 after the death of his brother. He was second in line and had not anticipated he would take the throne. In fact, he had wanted a career in the British Navy. After his brother's passing, George actually ended up marrying his late brother's fiance. So there's another little tidbit right there. Wait, um, that makes me feel icky inside. It makes me feel icky too. I mean, this was back in 1910, so maybe he thought he was doing his brother and his future wife a service. That's a good point because she would still be taken care of. Taken care of. I like like to watch a lot of period dramas, and I feel like this is something I've seen before. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> this I think it it was. I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm just guessing it was meant as like a parting gift to his. I don't know unless they were like getting it on uh, before. She's like, you're close enough. You planned. you share a lot of genetic material. It's fine. I don't. Maybe she was pregnant. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation here. Anyway. Royal life is very interesting. And the most interesting thing about the life and death of George V was not exposed until 1986. So going back to what we're going to talk about has come full circle. This was like a big thing. Mm -hmm. And then everybody forgot about it. Right. And now it's back. Right. And I think this will be a pattern for every royal death. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll come to light every time a royal dies. Yeah. Yeah, and the... I think one of the things that is just kind of mind-blowing is that his, the manner of his death stayed a secret for 50 years. Like, no, I mean, nobody really questioned it. No one really thought about it until um, some documentation came out. So George V had, um, had some chronic lung issues that he battled for almost 10 years. Towards the end of his life... So he was died in 1936, January 20th, 1936. I don't know. Um, it seems like he was on something along the lines of hospice at that time. I don't really know like what the state of you know hospice end of life care was at the time. But um, his doctor was with him towards the end of his life. Lord Dawson was the physician that was with him. He you know, called his time of death, and they proceeded with the funeral. But in November of 1986, the journal that Lord Dawson, the uh, George V's physician, had become made, had been made public? Made, yeah. Had been made available to the public. I don't know, whatever. So let me le- read you a little excerpt. I therefore decided decided to determine the end and injected morphia grams three-fourths and shortly after cocaine gram one into the king's distended jugular vein. So, but I have like read this part multiple times because I just don't, I cannot believe that it is true, and I may be missing something here. But, so I looked up the amount of cocaine it takes to kill a person. It is like 1.2 grams, and he got a gram. And the morphine amount is absolutely astronomical. So three-fourths morphia is... I believe from what everything I was reading is more is essentially morphine. The dosage is not any different unless this is a different form of morphine. I think it's just the way elegant British people say it. That is what I'm thinking, yeah. Morphia. 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 From Harry Potter. Morphia. Morphia. So this would be seven hundred fifty milligrams of morphine. And the average dose for morphine is about two to four milligrams i mean i you know a lot of times starting doses around one milligram when i went to the hospital they were giving me six milligrams of morphine so i was out of my fucking mind uh and a lot of chronic pain 
patients, cancer patients, will do more like four to six milligrams. But again, typical dose is around two to four milligrams. He got 750 milligrams of morphine. Well, that'll do ya. Yeah, I was like, this is the cocaine at this point was just overkill. I mean, this isn't like a morphine. How much of that do you need to kill somebody? I mean, obviously that was enough, but like, do you really need that much? I mean, depending on the person, especially with his chronic lung issues, morphine usually kills people by causing um, respiratory depression, which means that they um, works in the brain that you're not able to take you know, a deep breath. So already with having some lung issues, he probably didn't need that much morphine to kill him, probably. And again, I am a nurse. I'm not a physician. I'm not obviously, and I didn't even look this up, but I mean, probably like 20 grams would be fine. 20 milligrams would be fine to kill him. I mean, it, he... So he was just like, I don't... It's, it sounds like he didn't even, like, measure it out to be like, this is exactly what will kill him. He was just like, shoot him up. Shoot him up. Honestly. It'll, it'll work if we just keep shooting him up. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like it was that planned. Right. Now. But it, it was absolutely way too much. Like, he knew that they, he was going to kill him when he did this. That is what is, like, so glaring to me. And a lot of people think at, during hospice at end of life that, you know, patients are given pain medications to hasten their death. It's a common misconception. I've only cared for a handful of hospice patients. I'm not a hospice nurse. I'm an oncology nurse, but sometimes we take care of hospice patients while they're in the hospital before they're able to go home on hospice. So with hospice patients, you can give them more pain medicine because we're not as concerned about respiratory issues because they're, you know, they're dying. They're dying. Yeah. Um, but it's only given, you know, we give them enough to control their pain. We don't obviously give them a huge amount at one time. You'll give them some, see how they do. And if they don't need the pain medicine, we don't continue to give it until they die. Like this guy, this is completely. 700 milligrams. 750 milligrams of morphine. 750. Do you even typically have that much just sitting around? I don't even know. We don't eat. I don't even know. You know what I mean? I'm sure. That, what, what do they come in? Little tiny they vials? Come, yeah, they or come something? in vials. I think they come in four milligrams. Like jugs of it. Back no, there. it's like four milligram vials. We probably don't. We definitely don't even have 750. We probably in the whole. We had um, like seven floors in my hospital. We probably did not have 750. Or, in my building, we had seven floors. We probably didn't have 750 milligrams in that whole building at a time. Wow. I just, this amount, like, I cannot get over it. That is so much morphine. Yeah, why'd that guy have so much? That's a great point. You know, like, where do you get that much? Maybe this is, he's like, this is my yearly supply of morphine. I'll just use it all in the king. So wild. Anyway, I'll move on. I just, like, could not get over that. Well, that gives me, like, a better picture because, like, I don't, like, just thinking about, like, 750 milligrams, I'm like, I don't know what that looks like. Right. It's a lot. It's a ah, ass it's ton. Like a whole <laughs> carton of milk. Yeah. It's crazy. So not only is he basically admitting that he, dis- quote, un- decided to determine the end, but he also gave such a large dose of cocaine and morphine that there is absolutely no way this man could have survived. And so also according to the journal, Queen Mary, uh, who is George's wife, and the Prince of Rail the Prince of Wales, George's son, said that they didn't want his life unnecessarily prolonged if he was going to die anyway. Um, there's no mention of what uh, King George V wanted, if he wanted his life, you know, mm-hmm. um, his end quickened or whatever, um, you know, or, you know, anything about what he wanted. I don't know if he was conscious or yeah, confused or what, but um, I read an article that did speculate that not only did uh, Queen Mary 
and Prince of Wales, you know, tell him that they wanted him to be, that they wanted uh, King George to be comfortable, but they also insinuated that they wanted him to die quicker. But that's all speculation. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we can't, like, determine that from what exactly has been said. But apparently, uh, George's son didn't really like him that much. So that gives us a little bit more of a motive for them to kind of suggest, like, let's hurry up. Was he ready to be king? See, that's why I'm like, I I would buy it. I would buy it if they insinuated that they wanted him to pass quicker. So in the journal, he also said that he wanted the king to have a painless death and most importantly, make sure that his death was announced in the morning papers than, quote, the less appropriate evening journals. So he wanted to make the deadline before the AM papers um, are sent out. So if he would have died later in the night, he wouldn't have been able to send it into the newspaper in time for for his for his death to be reported in the morning paper and he has to be in the afternoon paper god forbid i didn't even know before reading this that they did morning and afternoon papers seriously i don't i i, I don't know if they still do that i feel like in the age no of way. there's no way but they didn't have anything else to do then except for right. read the newspaper <sighs> Uh, There are some different sources out there saying what were King George V's last words. According to the journal, his words to his physician, Lord Dawson, were, God damn you. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know that I would even, like, why would he write that down? Someone's going to see it. That seems pretty incriminating. It is. This whole journal is so incriminating. But the fact that he said, God damn you, and knew enough to know that something was wrong, mm-mm. That's a black spot on your soul, Lord Dawson. Yeah. Shit. Huh. Shit. Even more, even more incriminating. Dawson called his wife one hour before giving the fatal dose that she needed to relay the message to the Times, the paper, um, to rev- to reserve the front page of the news for the king's death. So an hour before, he's like, we got to get this out there, save that page. He's going to die soon. The obsession with the, the front page of the morning <sighs> newspaper. I mean, you could wait to let him know 24 hours after. Right. Or even just be in the fucking e- the afternoon papers. Who gives a shit? Like, why is this so important? I really don't know. So I looked up the all-important newspaper article. And I'll just tell you what it says. It is, okay, it is the most boring journal article ever. It's just like all a bunch of, I'm sorry, it's the most boring newspaper article ever. It has a bunch of facts, nothing really interesting, and it just blows my mind that this is what was so important that they had to have his had to kill him, basically. I'm ready. <clears throat> the headline reads, and this is in the Times. Not the New York Times, but the... Like it, the London the Times? Lo- yeah, something like that. The death of the king, colon, a peaceful ending at midnight. So already off to a chilling start when you know mm. the backstory. Death came peacefully to the king at 11.55 p.m., Tonight, in the presence of Her Majesty the Queen, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of York, the Princess Royal, and the Duke and Duchess of Kent. First of all, that sounds like a like a Bridgerton. You've seen Bridgerton, right? Yes. When like Lady Whistledown writes about like dances and stuff, mm-hmm. it, like seems like that, like a gossip thing. Like, oh, all of these important people were there. <laughs> it does. They reported that he died in his sleep and without pain well with that much morphine i don't (laughs) think he could feel a thing he probably thought he was dead before it happened (laughs) i mean he probably thought he was dead at least 30 minutes before he passed away like what well it would be pretty fast with that amount of stuff it would be a very 
very fast death, especially if he's getting it like, IV or... What is his heart? Just, like, give out. Probably. His heart... So the cocaine would probably make his heart give out, and the uh, morphine would make him stop breathing. So one-two punch. There you go. You need both those things to live. So. <sighs> right. <laughs> those are kind of important to being alive. But, yeah, I just... the Especially the... He died in his sleep, like... I mean, I guess he was asleep because you gave him 750 milligrams of morphine. Like, I guess he was asleep. Yeah. just It's so disingenuous. <laughs> I mean. It's wild. So he died. Um, 11.55 p.m. January 20th, 1936. He was 70 years old. So after his death came out, super important in the newspaper. They they put his body, um, they presented his body for lying in state. And so we talked about that earlier. We talked about how many people come through for something like that. Um, even back then, 1936, there were one million people that came to see his body. That's crazy. Yeah, so... This has always been a super popular practice, and a lot of people come through. So I guarantee you those people were waiting overnight, too. Yeah. His funeral procession went through the, the streets, and British citizens were watching. Heads of state were walking through in the funeral procession, the funeral procession dressed up in all their regalia and finery. So very similar to you know, what was done with Queen Elizabeth II's funeral. His funeral was held on January 28, 1936, at the St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle, where all royal funerals have been held in the near future. And God, it's beautiful. I know, it's gorgeous. So, uh, one last... <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if this is relevant, but like this is... I just... I have to say it. So there's a little quote that Lord Dawson gave on euthanasia. He said, and this was before um, his journal came out. So this is probably some other unrelated interview or interesting writing. Euthanasia shouldn't become a legalized practice, but it should be up to the physician as, and more gradually be integrated. He said that at the end of life, the patient should be made as comfortable as possible, even if it shortens their life. Quote, if we cannot cure, for heaven's sake, let's do the best to lighten the pain. End quote. He kind of contradicts himself right there. Yes, he does. Because, so what does he want? Yeah, he said it shouldn't be, he said it shouldn't be a legalized practice, but he wants it to be gradually integrated. So I don't know. Illegally? Yeah, I don't know. And I... Which is just a wild claim. I mean, I think that there is a line, a, a very clear line between euthanasia and giving some, making someone comfortable, even if it shortens their life a bit. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think there probably are people that would disagree with me, but I think you know, giving somebody a larger amount of pain meds within reason at the end of their life is a big difference than giving someone you know, an absorbent amount of medication so that they will die. Yeah. yeah. And he talks about, oh, you know, let's do our best to lighten the pain. But that's not why he did it. And he did mention that in his journal, but I don't, but it, it all has to do with the papers. So, I mean, his journal came out way after he passed, correct? Or did it come out while he was still alive? He had passed. I don't know... Oh, I wish I would have written this down. I, I don't think it was directly related to his passing, but he had already passed at this time. So, you know, no one could really talk to him about it because right. he was already dead. But we have a lot of questions. So, seance. <gasps> seance with oh Dawson. I got chills. I am chilled. No, definitely not. No, definitely not bringing that back. He's scared. He'll kill us. Sketchy. But yeah, I think that a lot of this just speaks to how important all of like the appearances are for the royals. That they want 
not only they want, but the people in their circle want things to be perfect by, Mm -hmm. you know, have their death to be announced in the best papers and everyone has to be seen in black when someone dies and... I mean, I get it to an extent because they're like, you know, they're the figureheads. So, like, people are looking to them Mm -hmm. and all that. But I don't know. It's like an intense amount of, like, detail and just, like, you got to be spot on. Or you're going to get a spot out. I don't know. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, if someone needs to be killed in order to keep up the appearances that they want, I don't think that this is at all worth it. Queen Elizabeth lay in state for four days prior to the funeral. The coffin that she had or has, is made of English oak and lined with lead to slow the decomposition process so that her coffin can be placed in St. George's Church rather than being buried. There was a mile-long wait for mourners to see her coffin with at least 20... Wait, hold on. Oh, that's not as much? Didn't they say, like, it was um, a million for King George V? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. And she's only got 250000 Yeah. I thought that was weird, too. Sorry. But I this is like... also, I think, some preliminary data, since we are following so closely behind her funeral and laying in state. Yeah. So I think that since they said at least 250,000 people, I think the final figure is... Not yet done. Gotcha. Okay, so what I'm referring to is, like, so for her, for Queen Elizabeth lying in state, there were 250,000 people who participated. But still weird that it was so much less than a million. Yes. For King George V's yes. funeral. Um, and then Britain observed 10 days of mourning. Some people waited up to 13 hours, even staying overnight for... To see her, for to see her, to see her lying in state. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 26 million people in the UK watched the Queen's funeral on TV. That's more the figure I was expecting. Yeah. But, ro- I th- but think maybe since people um, can watch the funeral at home, in the comfort of their own home, maybe makes less people want to go to the lying in state. Yeah, I could see that. Whereas in King George V's time, obviously, you know, TV, I don't think stuff like that was televised at the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was meant more for people to go to the lying in state when they couldn't see anything else. Uh, the royal family will observe an additional week of mourning, but the rest of the country will return to normal. A 96-gun salute for Queen Elizabeth at Stonehenge, one for each year of her life. I don't know. I couldn't find. I wanted to see if they do like the gun salute for everybody, like all of the royals when they die. But mm-hmm. I wasn't able to find if they do that. But I know that they did do. Well, I don't know if they did it for um, Philip. I do know that Philip was waiting for her. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Sorry, that was a little ominous. Was waiting for her. So Philip will be buried with her. So he was in a te- uh... temporary holding. Oh, I see. Okay. So that they can be beside each other. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. I thought that was kind of sweet. That is sweet. Yeah, for the... So for the gun salute, I guess there's... From what I was reading, they have, like, these... They're almost like small cannons, and Mm -hmm. they, like, blow out, like, a puff of smoke, and they just do that 96 times out at Stonehenge in this case. Interesting place. Yeah, very. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, we're just going to go to Stonehenge and set off some cannons. Yeah, okay. that is interesting. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to be honest. If I was in the neighborhood and they were like blowing up stuff in the park, I'd be like freaking out. But Stonehenge? I mean, I don't. Is it, I don't think there's a lot of people living near Stonehenge, are there? I don't know. I've not been. <laughs> you know, I mean, I hope not. 
Otherwise, that would be annoying as fuck, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So I didn't get to see much of the funeral. I was working that day, so I saw a lot of snips, snippets on Patience TV. I feel like everyone was watching it. Um, but you did see a little bit, right? I saw a little bit. Um, they had a lot of, like, YouTube lives. Um, problem is, like, you'd log in and it's like nothing's happening. So I only picked mm. up on a couple things. I wasn't sitting around all day watching it, waiting for something to happen on YouTube Live because I, I don't I don't have a um, cable, so I wasn't going to get it for this. <laughs> anyway, it was nice. Like, her corgis were involved. They were, like, as they were doing, like, processing down the road with her, um, there were... The corgis were watching. I swear I heard that there was her horse bowed to her as she drove. Or she didn't drive, but somebody Damn. drove her by. Um, just a lot of, like, pump. Mm-hmm. A lot of pump. <laughs> um, boy, I hope I can afford a funeral like that. I can't even imagine. I mean, it can't be... I can't imagine two hundred... Well... 26 million people that's just the uk like, i can't imagine yeah. that many people c- caring that i died so yeah very i'm sure you can still like look up clips and probably see the whole thing it's recorded somewhere so one of the things i thought was really weird i don't know if you saw any of this but like in the days leading to and following the funeral there was a lot of news coverage talking about the family so like earlier we we're talking about oh is prince harry gonna wear the military uniform or the suit or you know here's how something about like the royal children the grandchildren interesting i've just gone on on a kick of this lately so i've actually actually so i have actually listened to a couple of podcasts um like the podcast is like royal drama and royals and like that's what like the topic of these podcasts are um so one thing that I heard, and I can't remember which podcast I heard it from, is that they're co- covering family drama here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They are not covering that over in England. That's very strange. So, like, here we're hearing about, you know, um, there seems to have been this rift between brothers, between um, Harry and, it's William, right? Mm-hmm. And William. See, that's how much I know. I should know more by now. I've done a lot of research. Uh and they were talking about, you know, this is the first time they're coming back to England since they decided they didn't want to be working royals anymore. They didn't know what that was going to look like since they weren't talking. But that's all stuff we're talking about here. Um, that, like, kind of family drama bit, like, that was not brought up in, like, any of the news from what I heard on this podcast actually in England. Really? It's all about the imagery. Wow. I wonder if they're, like... Um, maybe there are, like, incentives for them not to, or they're just so reverent of Mm -hmm. the crown that they, you know, will not write things like that, especially during a time like this. So it's just interesting, like, we're viewing it totally, like, differently. What podcast was this? Do you remember? Um, you know, let me look, because I looked at, uh, I don't remember which one. I listened to two podcasts. Um, if my phone will work, I can pull them up. Because I just, like, decided to dive deep into, like, the royal family drama because I'm just too invested now and it's just too exciting for me. Like, this is just fascinating stuff. Um, so I listened to one called Royally Obsessed. Um, I listened to one called the Podcast Royal. Uh, and then I listened to this podcast. <laughs> There's one more. I listened to this podcast called Pop Apologists, and um, they just did an episode on the Royals. So it's one of those. Okay. I'll have to listen. I just find that really strange, and it is interesting that they're not doing that in Britain because I just, I don't know. I think when somebody does something really, you know, horrible or offensive or even, you know, even interesting, Mm -hmm. that's you know, of course we're going to talk about that. But I think in some cases with this, people were really tearing into it and bringing up some old drama that I don't Mm -hmm. know if it was quite appropriate, in my opinion, or, you know, 
talking about the great-grandchildren and their behavior and the facial expressions of Kate versus Megan. And I'm like, I just... It feels in bad taste to me. Yeah, I think that's only something that we care about most, like, here in the U.S. Everything's very interesting how, like, what we want to know about and what that country actually wants to know about. Right. At least at this time. Right. And that's a very American thing to want to want the celebrity drama or... Or maybe they have enough of it because they're like, the Americans are all writing about it anyway, so why True. should we write about it? I True. don't know. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I like. Like, right. give me more of the juicy, juicy drama. But, yeah, just interesting. Yeah. And I know earlier we are talking about the bank holiday. I want to know what your thoughts on that. So, you know, the day of the funeral people are or at the day of the funeral nothing is open they're canceling weddings they're canceling funerals they're canceling surgeries everything is canceled and we talked a little bit about this but i want you to talk about how you feel about that i feel i'm torn honestly because like certain things i mean i understand this has been their monarch for the past what 70 years Mm -hmm. like it's a big deal and it's something that as we americans we will never understand what this means to people in britain but i think it goes too far when you're canceling pre-scheduled surgery Mm -hmm. like okay maybe like you don't need to get that boob job today but like the i did read so I'm actually in a Facebook group still. I got married in April, and I'm in this Facebook group that is pretty much all about wedding drama, and I still read it all the time. I have a point here. And it's mostly, I didn't realize that until everything happened with the queen, but this Facebook group is mostly based in the UK. Mm -hmm. So people were, like, just sharing their drama that maybe even had nothing to do with the wedding because of this. Like, there were people saying we have to cancel our wedding or or the wedding's been canceled because the venue will not hold us on this day. But the one that um, really bothered me was this woman said that her father had pre-scheduled, like I think it was heart surgery for that day that has to now be rescheduled. Now, heart surgery, you don't just get heart surgery if it's not super important. Right. I mean, there are other surgeries that could wait, like your tonsils right. or... You know, your boob job or, you know, just something minor. But a heart surgery sounds like there's a real issue there. And, I mean, I know here in the U.S., when you reschedule something like that, it can be months, months, months and months Mm -hmm. before you can get back in to get that surgery. Um, And that bothers me. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that other people's funerals are being postponed and having to be rescheduled. And like you said, how I don't know how long it's going to take them. Yeah. It's just, I think it's it's terrible that, you know, basically everyone's saying this, this the queen's funeral is more important than your family's funeral. Mm-hmm. And the queen's more, funeral is more important than your life and making sure you get that life-saving surgery. I don't know. Like I said, I'm split because I could see it from both perspectives. Um, but I don't understand. I mean, maybe you could have just lessened it and like closed mm-hmm. everything around Windsor Castle, like London. Uh, maybe just shut that city down. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe everything else that was continuing on on the outskirts, other places should continue on. Right. I mean, I could understand maybe like closing down school or um, or maybe just all through like you know just a sorry. like it's like a snow day, but for the Queen. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like unnecessary, like un, you know, unessential businesses, yeah. things like that. And it's nice. I think it is nice that they allow the country and you know citizens time to grieve and actually be there rather than having to work and actually get to be a part of, you know, the process. But yeah, I feel like they, there. I feel like there can be some give and take. It doesn't have to be all black yeah. and white. Like I feel like so much of this stuff is. And again, I'm not, I don't, I don't live there. So I have a very different perspective as an outsider. So, you know, obviously I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it's like yeah. to live there. So I'm sure I probably have a lot perspective and, to learn, but it just I seems. Mean, this, 
would be new for everybody too because i mean she ruled for 70 years like nobody you know this is all like nobody knows what's going on right yeah that's a really good point i don't know i can see it from both sides but the medical stuff bothers like that's Mm -hmm. the part that bothers me the most like medical things Mm -hmm. Um, but you know maybe next time don't care so much about Charles. That's true. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I mean, Queen Elizabeth II ruled for so long. Yeah. She's a woman to be reckoned with. Yeah. And I th- feel like it makes sense that people are attached to her. Yeah, it does. Um, so maybe it won't be, be like, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds morbid. We'll find out in a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, truly, though, he's not going to live forever. No. I mean, he could, I guess, live another 20 years. I mean, unless there's a doctor that comes along and decides, you know, it's it's a more convenient time for him to die, then maybe he will die soon. All right. Now the moment we've all been waiting for some updates on the Langford Funeral Home case. Do tell me more. Okay. These are just real quick. It's not anything crazy. But for those who don't know, episode eight, we talked about the scandal at Langford Funeral Home, where 32 bodies were found decomposing and 17 remain, cremated remains um, were found at a funeral home in Indiana. And the funeral home director, Randy Langford, had not been disposing of them and distributing, distributing them properly to the families. It is in both civil and criminal court. So just a couple quick things. One update is that one of the victims, Derek Kessinger, still does not have the remains of his fiance, even though it's even though it's been almost three months since the police seized the remains of at Langford. He had originally been given someone else's ashes, but in the meantime, since he discovered and the police discovered that his fiance's body was still at the funeral home. He has still not gotten those remains back. Oh my God. I mean, this is already tragic enough that his fiance has passed away. I know. And now, and it's tragic enough that their, you know, that their, their bodies were mishandled and it's already been so long since these people have, they've been waiting to get their loved ones remains. And now the police still have them. Or right. somewhere. That I don't know where they are. That bothers me that the police are not. They're just going to keep them for evidence and not. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know if another funeral home has it or a crematorium. But no, he does not have them. It's been three months wow. since the that bodies were delayed, found. like having a funeral for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. This it's is being mishandled in all of the areas. It is. It's just salt on the wound, like big time. That's really sad. Well, I also found out something really interesting because on the last episode when we were talking about this case and the charges that could be brought up, we were talking about um, the crime of desecrating a corpse because we were talking about a similar case where bodies were not being cremated and the person was charged with, among other things, desecrating a corpse. But in this article that just came out, um, from CNHI News, Indiana. Apparently, funeral directors in the state of Indiana, um, funeral directors and embalmers, people in that industry, are exempt from the crime of desecrating a corpse. So they cannot commit that crime. Whatever they do to the body is within their basically within their scope. Larry Wilder, the attorney that's representing the families in the civil case, said there's a certain degree of immunity that goes along with the job he has because he was a licensed funeral director. In Indiana, we aren't equipped for this sort of horrible thing to happen. Will Indiana get equipped? Honestly, yeah. That's a poor excuse. It's a very poor excuse. The fact that they are basically protected by the industry that they're that he's in so they basically said it's mostly for people who are um 
I guess, sexually inappropriate with corpses or, you know, mangling a body after a person has died. Um, but does not matter what, basically it doesn't matter what the funeral home does with your body. They can't be charged. So that's why I guess it's been so hard to bring charges against Randy Blankford because that's one of the biggest charges I think that would apply to him in, you know, a different state. Wow. That's super unfair to all those families. It really is. It really is. And I mean, obviously, like you said last episode, this is one of those um, law. This is one of those cases that are going to get laws changed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I mean, I guess I can understand why they are, you know, like hands off, like pretty much immune to that in any normal case. But this is not normal. Right. I can see, you know, something could go wrong when you're embalming or, you know, something small that you wouldn't want to get sued big right. time over. That isn't like like this. Exactly. Yeah. That's just sad. I hope they find justice. I know. They're going to have to get the they're going to have to get creative. That lawyer is going to have to get creative. That but- better be a good lawyer. It better fucking be. So I'll come in there with my creative ideas. Pay me. Pay me. I just wanted to bring up one thing. um, An interesting topic of conversation that was brought up. Last week, we posted a reel of us cleaning gravestones. Since that's what we did in uh, last episode. And somebody posted a comment on there that said... Uh, clean my gravestone off and I'll haunt you till you go to hell. And then like the okay finger sign. (laughs) Um, But I had never thought about the fact that someone might not want that. Well, this is very interesting because I looked into this a bit. Um, So for those who do want to keep your gravestone nice and moss covered and just like let time do its thing, be very particular about what um, cemetery that you choose or that your family chooses for you because there are a lot of rules and stipulations that are different from cemetery to cemetery. And some will require the family to do cleaning, especially so like if you want um, a moss-covered grave, you may want to look for, you know, just drive around, look at cemeteries that do have those because... um, A lot of cemeteries are kept up pretty well. And if um, volunteers aren't coming in to do the cleaning, like actually a lot of uh, cemeteries are looking for volunteers right now Mm -hmm. to do that type of cleaning, they will hire out um, professionals to do it. So I didn't really know this before. So now you know. Like if you want all that moss all up on you, just make sure you choose a community to lay your head in that will allow such things yeah i had just always assumed that it was a good way to like pay respects to the dead and show that they're still cared for and you know graves are beautiful and i would want mine to be seen but it's also really beautiful to let nature take its course so definitely glad someone brought that up because you know like you said morgan most people wouldn't know Mm -hmm. to look for specifically a cemetery that doesn't provide or encourage cleaning of gravestones. So, end-of-life plans are important, people. Let people know what you want before you die. Maybe we should make our end-of-life plans. Yeah. Do a podcast on it. We definitely should and share. But yeah, if anybody has any thoughts about anything that's said in the podcast um, or any stuff on Instagram, please DM us. We're... um, official underscore plot twist pod uh we we love to hear what people have to say and that was a really good point somebody brought up that we wouldn't have thought of otherwise so we would love to hear from you just don't bully us please please and thank you thank you the arrangements for the queen's funeral also known as operation (laughs) do you smell that (laughs) Oh I'm God, not breathing. Are... Ugh. 
Okay, so I included this last one in there to like kind of be like a driving home point of how, oh my God, of how seriously they take their funerals. Oh yeah, and she was involved in planning her own funeral. God damn. Which was cool. Like you should allow her that. She's the queen for goodness sake. Yeah. Everyone should. You should stick a little bit of Febreze. Oh yeah, wait, I was gonna light this. What's wrong with your dog? I don't know. He doesn't smell. I can taste it. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at official underscore plot twist pod. Music is courtesy of Matthew Modena and our resources are in the show notes.